Welcome back, everybody. Today's going to be awesome. I've got uh, Maddie Kepke here today, and the conversation we're going to have today, I feel like it's going to be very helpful for a lot of people. So Maddie didn't have an event that like altered her life course, but she had to overcome something and step away from something that she cared deeply about and something that she spent a lot of time and a lot of effort in. So Maddie's senior year, she was one of the top athletes in the state where she commits to go play softball at Auburn University. And at the time, Auburn was one of the top programs in the country. But something happened at Auburn that kind of drove her to kind of fall out of love of the game and kind of grow distant from it. And that's kind of what we're going to talk about today is how do you deal with that, that self-identity and the, the fear of judgment from others and judging yourself? And so with that, Maddie Kepke, welcome to the show. Hello, I'm so excited to be here. <laughs> so I will say the first time I, I ever saw you play, it was our senior year. And my friend Seth and I went to, it was at, it was at Mill Creek, uh-huh. and you're all playing Mountain View. Mm-hmm. And you're playing shortstop, mm-hmm. 77, right? Yep. 7-7. And the ball was hitting the gap. And this was like, well, I didn't really like grow up like going to softball games. Okay. I knew it was fast paced. I mm-hmm. watched a little bit on like on the TV, like the World Series. Right. So I knew everything like happened quick and the ball was hitting the gap and like without hesitation, you go backhand it and zoom it across and hose the girl out at first. And then like, I was like, oh my God. And then like Seth and I just like looked at each other and was like, holy shit. And then it was like nothing. It was like second nature for you. You're just like, all right, two down. I was like, oh my God, dude. So was that a, was that always the plan was to go play college softball and kind of like how, what kind of like got you interested in sports in general? So my dad was a baseball player. Um, he didn't play like anywhere really big. He played Mm -hmm. at a Juco in California. Um, So he got both my sister and I into softball at very young ages. I started when I was like five um, in T-ball. And I was like playing, you know, rec ball, whatever. Um, And then I think my parents kind of realized like she's got this like talent to her that's even at six, seven years old, that was like very obvious, I guess you could Mm -hmm. say. And they kind of started thinking like, I think she could actually go places with this sport. So once they realized that, they put everything into it, um, money, you know, time, whatever. And it became full time for me. I was doing it year round pretty much. Um, And by probably maybe sixth grade was when I was like watching, you know, college softball on TV and thinking that's what I want to do. And that's the path that I thought was going to be best for me. I mean, like you said, the talent, it was obvious. Like when I first, because I was like the, right when we walked up, I think it was like the first inning, the ball's hitting the gap and you backhand it like natural. And I like, most like high school, my, my friends on the baseball team weren't doing that. And I was just like, oh my God. Um, And you hit a home run in the game. I actually Did remember I? that. Yeah. I don't Mountain, even remember against that. Against Mountain View. Well, dang. Just because I remember leaving there, I was like, oh my God, like these girls, like, they, they actually, they ball. But um, so your senior year, one of the top athletes in the state, you commit to Auburn, who's one of the best programs at the time. Why did you pick Auburn? So I actually committed, brace yourself, mm. I committed in eighth grade to play softball at Auburn. Why is that so common in, in softball? So it's not common anymore because they made a rule against it, probably because of me. No, I'm kidding. But um, <laughs> they made that rule like shortly after I went off to college. Or, all my friends like, like committed in middle school. Senior, junior year. Yeah. Um, so committed... I had three schools interested in me eighth grade year. Um, Auburn at the time, like you said, they were going to national championships. They were led by a very good coaching staff and um, they made me an offer that, I mean, at 13 years old, 
it's kind of like, why would I not mm. take it? Um, and I liked the school or what I thought I knew about the school at the time. But obviously, again, you look for different things when you're 13 as opposed to 18 years old. Um, and so it just seemed like the best decision for me at the time. So that's what I did. Now, because that's a really young age to make an important decision like that. Do some girls kind of make that decision and like change? Yeah, there's, well, when the, so the rule is now, I think you have to be like a junior or something before you can even talk to college coaches. Um, but before that rule, there were people, cause they call it a, uh, like verbal commitment. Mm. So you don't sign your letter of intent until your f- fall, your sen- uh, senior year, I think November. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's when you're like officially committed when you sign the letter. But before that, it's just a verbal commitment. So you can really it really doesn't mean much like you've accepted their offer verbally, but you can really, you can go to other schools. You can visit other schools. You can decommit and go somewhere else. So yeah, that's something that girls do all the time, or at least they used to. So I had the same kind of thing as you um, pick football at an early age. Like you said, spent a lot of money, a lot of time. Like my parents invested a lot of time in me. I invested a lot of time working and I ha- always had the, I wanted to, I had the dream of playing college football and like, was the reality of playing a college sport, kind of the same like what you thought it would be no yeah not at all it um you know when on the outside looking in you think they have it all you know they're they're like spoiled and they have no problems and their life is perfect they play at a college school whatever um but when you're in it it's a lot different and there's a lot more that goes into it than just getting to put a jersey on and say you play collegiate sports i know because they just see media day and game days they don't see everything exactly and there's that's like two percent of it not even not even (laughs) yeah so like obviously i play college sports but like having conversations with and i was friends with a lot of other female athletes that's Mm kind of who we hung out with was playing a college sport as a female like different obviously it is different than a male but like what are some unique challenges that like a female athlete would have to overcome compared to a male you know well i think Sadly, I mean, as everyone knows, probably male sports are just kind of dominant in the world, really, but Mm -hmm. especially in college. And I remember one specific time where we were playing Alabama. It was the Iron Bowl game for softball. And Alabama came to Auburn um, and baseball was playing the same night on a Friday. And they were playing some like nobody school. Like, I don't even remember who they were playing. And I drove past the baseball stadium to get to my field. And the line for the baseball stadium was out the door waiting to get into the field. And our stadium was practically empty for the first Alabama game. Yeah. Um, And like just when I was playing, the stuff that some of the coaches would say to us and some of the other players were like, oh, my God. Like, I don't think you can say that. Like, if that was filmed or recorded, like, you would get in trouble. Was that – was it different with female coaches? Like, did they view that differently? So, no. I mean, my head coach that I played under was a male. So – he, I mean, said some things that... Who was more mean, female coaches or male coaches? Gosh, I guess it would depend. I've heard great stories about female coaches from friends who've played for female coaches, but I've also heard like horror stories. But I also think that females know how to talk to females better, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, so we did have a couple of female coaches in my two years there that I kind of felt like I could somewhat confide in more than the male coaches just because they were female and I felt like they kind of understood it more. But I mean, they were both equally as brutal yeah. as the other. So you spend, like we just said, so much time and effort at a young age. And 
it's safe to say you probably loved the sport, right? Growing up, especially in high school. Was there a specific moment when you decided, because you played early at Auburn, like you played early. Was there a specific moment when you're just like, this is not for me, like this is not what I thought it was? Yeah, I think, well, COVID kind of messed it up a little bit because COVID came my freshman year, spring. So we only got like three weeks into our season, I think my freshman year, and then we all got sent home. Um, So then when we went back, it was all, you know, you can't go to restaurants, you can't go to church, you can't do this, you can't see your parents. And I'm like, at that point, I'm like, this isn't what I signed up for. Because like, I've sacrificed things my whole life for softball. And I know what that looks like. But it never meant sacrificing hugging my parents. It never meant sacrificing going out to a restaurant. Like I never had to sacrifice those things until then. And so that's when it kind of got rocky, I would say. Um, And then probably by the end of the fall, my sophomore year was when I was like, I'm not sure if I want to do this anymore. And then I decided I was going to stop playing maybe even before the season started in the spring. Mm. So I knew that whole, my whole sophomore season, I knew I, I, that was my last season playing. Was it hard to make that decision? Yeah. It, one of the hardest decisions I've ever had to make just because it, it was my decision and it did, it was my thing, but it also affected a lot more people than just me. My dad is who I'm really referring to just because he is the reason that I was the player that I was because he poured in so much time and money and, you know, sacrifice into me and my game. And he was the one out there pitching me BP in 30 degree weather, you know, he, and he loved it. Like he never once complained. And so I knew that when I was walking away from it, he was also going to have to walk away from it. And that was really hard pill for me to swallow. Um, but ultimately, I mean, I was in the lowest point I'd ever been mentally in my life. And it just became very clear to me that it was not the path I was supposed to be on and that it just, it wasn't worth it anymore. How was that conversation with your dad when you kind of like opened up to him like, hey dad, I don't want to do this anymore? I, we had been texting back, like texting, calling back and forth about it. Um, and he knew I was wanting to leave Auburn. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he kind of assumed like she's not going to stop playing. She's going to go and play somewhere else. But it was so bad that I was even scared to go play somewhere else because I was afraid that the same exact thing was going to happen. And um, so I knew in my heart, like, I want to stop playing. And I think I actually, it was a text when I, like, it might have been after a practice or something, like, where something happened that was just the last straw where I was like, yeah, I I can't do this anymore. And I think I sent him a text because, honestly, I there's no way I could have, like, spoken to him and said it to him because it was just so emotional. Um, and I think I texted him and all I said was like, I think I want to stop playing. And I think he texted me back and was like, you know, I'll support you through whatever you choose, but it definitely was not an easy thing to do. So he, he obviously supported you in your decision. He did. He, he wanted me to go play somewhere else. Um, just because I, I think that he thought my talent was kind of going to waste a little bit because after I stopped playing, I had three more years of eligibility. So it was kind of like three years down the drain um, in his eyes, I think. And he also loved watching me do my thing. So I don't think he was ready to give that up. But I also think he saw how bad it was. And, um, you know, he it was hard for him to watch me go through that. So at the end of the day, I think he was just like, I can't force her to do that. And I don't want to make matters worse. So, So when you made that decision to step away, from the game of, and that game was such a big part of, 
of your life and kind of like your self-identity because like I struggled with it when I stepped away from football. It's something I've done my entire life and you kind of like, it's part of your identity. You right. kind of identify it, Absolutely. especially as a student athlete. That's Absolutely. all like, you walk on campus, you know who the students athletes are just because how they're the dressed, book, and the, the book, book bags. bags, the shoes, everything. So when you stepped away from that game and that lifestyle, did you struggle with like self-identity issues at all? Yeah, I... Up until I would say my last season playing, I my identity was found in softball. And I think that in itself was a huge problem. And it's something that I kind of wish I would have worked on more just because, I mean, I was I saw myself as a statistic. I saw myself as my performance and it absolutely affected the way I viewed myself and my value. And I think that made it the game even mentally more exhausting than it already was. And I think that made my relationship with the game even worse than it was. Um, but come my sophomore year, spring of my sophomore year, I kind of I kind of detached completely from it. And it was almost like I I went from caring too much to not caring at all. And at that point, I I felt like I had I had no identity. Like the one thing that because in high school growing up, like if you if you knew me, you knew softball. Like I feel like I, it was like tied to my name almost. And so at this point, there was nothing more tied to my name, I felt like. And so I had to really figure out what it was that I was passionate about and what it was that I loved and whatever I wanted to chase after. And that's what I tried to do. How did you do that? Like, how did you kind of cope with that mental health? Like, how did you try to boost your mental health during that time? Honestly, not very well. I I mean, I had no social life. You were still in Auburn at the time, correct? I had no social life. I was like barely eating, had no appetite, um, never got to see my parents because they didn't come down much to Auburn um, just because of the situation. And it was really bad. And we weren't supposed to be seeing them in the first place. So never got to see them. I was terribly homesick. Um, I didn't have a good relationship with most of the the teammates that I had. And those are when you're on a team, that's your family. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that. So I was spending a lot of time in my room by myself at the gym, I was going and working out by myself in my apartment gym, like super early in the morning. Um, and then I would go to class and then I would go to team weights and then I would go to practice and then I would go grab dinner and then I would go home and go to sleep. Um, so it was, I mean, I, I wasn't coping with it well. I don't think I really figured out how to cope with it until I was removed from the environment completely. And I really got to sit down and like evaluate what is it that I want to chase after. So when you did make that decision to step away, Obviously, like it, the self-identity, it's the, the battles you're fighting inside. But did, were you ever worried about like what other people were going to think of you? 100%. Um, like I said, my identity was found in softball. And if you knew me, you knew softball. And um, so I was afraid people were going to look at me as a quitter. I was afraid they were going to look at me as, you know, she gave up. She It was too hard or she didn't have what it took. Um, but like I said, it was, it was so bad. And I knew in my heart the situation. And of course on the outside looking in, you have no idea, but I knew, and I was the one living it. And so that outweighed the fear of what people were going to say, because I knew ultimately that's what I needed to do for my sake. And that's a hard decision to make too. Cause I mean, people do like, you can say you don't care what people think about you, but everyone does. Everyone does. Mm -hmm. How did you kind of, you know, keep that your mental health during that time of like the judgment of other people. Like, how did you handle all that? Like, did you, did people reach out to you and be like, Hey, like, are you okay? Or like you quit, you know? Cause when I found that you stopped playing, I was like, Oh my God, like 
She stopped playing. That was most oh, people. Oh, because because like you said in high school, like when you heard of Maddie Kepke, you attached softball right. because of how good you were, mm-hmm. and then now you you and hear that, that she's yeah. gone. It's just mm-hmm. like wow, like what? I wonder, like what happened? Like why she made that decision? So I didn't know. Like was there any way like you handled all that the outside stress of people judging you? It was hard because I remember when I posted the post that said like I'm walking away from softball. Um, I think the first person that called me was my high school coach mm-hmm. who I have a great relationship with to this day. Um, he's my favorite coach I've ever had. And he called me and I'm like, Oh no. So I answer and I'm like, Hey coach. And I knew exactly what he was going to say. Mm-hmm. And he's like, so like, what's up? And I just told him, you know how it was. And I was like, it, I just, I was not thriving in that environment. I completely lost sense of self identity and, I completely lost my love for the game and I just think that this is what's best for me. And even he was like, well, are you sure? Like, is that really what you want to do? And, you know, again, on the outside looking in, and of course he knows me as a player. He coached me for four years and he, like my dad thought like, there's more you have to offer to the game, I think. And kind of thought that I was wasting my talent in a way, but I think just, trusting in my decision and knowing that I know what's best for me in that moment really helped with kind of blocking out the the questioning that people had. Mm-hmm. That's good. So you're at Auburn and then you end up transferring to Georgia to mm-hmm. be a regular student. Mm-hmm. How was that transformation from the athlete life with such a, just a, like a structured yeah. and regimented schedule? Like you said, with the practice, weight, yep. class, food. How was going from that life to being a full student? in Athens? So it was weird. Um, because for the first time in my whole life, I, it was up to me, like whether I go into the gym or not is up to me, whether I go to class or not is up to me. Um, but luckily I am a very routine oriented person. So, you know, I spent the first summer I ever had off from softball. I got a job. I was working out consistently. Um, and then w- right when I moved to Athens, I got a job. So that was taking up most of my time. Um, and then I was, you know, doing other things that I love, like going to the gym and getting workouts in um, and just trying my hardest to establish a routine. But it was almost kind of nice because it was up to me and I got to make the routine as opposed to like someone telling me, okay, this is what you have to do. Um, so it really wasn't, I mean, it was kind of a shock to the system, but not in a negative way, I would say. Do you think that's what um, you got the most from sports was those habits you created of being so structured? I think so. Yeah, definitely. Because that's something that I can use through all walks of my life. And that that'll be really beneficial in, you know, adult life, I guess. So and we're talking about with all that free time. Do you think that working out and getting active kind of helps with that mental health? Yeah, 100%. I mean, when I was still in Auburn, and I knew that I was transferring and I knew that I was walking away from softball. Um, and when my mental health was the lowest it had been working out was what I turned to. It was kind of my outlet because softball wasn't that anymore. Softball was that for the last 15 years, but all of a sudden it wasn't. And I was like, I need something because I don't, there was no way for me to cope with the situation I was in. And so it was actually like a new year's resolution, if you will. Um, And I remember I was sitting on my couch on New Year's Eve and I was talking to my dad and I was like, dad, my New Year's Eve resolution this year is to get jacked in the gym. (laughs) And that it's funny because three years later, 
it's my biggest passion. It's what I love to do every single day. And it's not anywhere near a New Year's resolution. It's just a lifestyle that I've chosen. And it has a huge impact on my mental health. And it did at the time. And I think it's kind of what saved me in a way going through all of that. I know one of the, I heard this, this was years ago, but talking about mental health, they said if you could put a workout into a pill, that'd be the best like mental health medication. So true. I cannot agree more. It's the clarity. Just like, that's what I got to do. Just like, just moving your body and sweating. It's just exactly. But on the topic of mental health, um, like I would see guys struggle, especially in football because of like the stuff some of the coaches said and the stuff we did was, was hard. And, but like, I think, I mean, you can tell me if I'm wrong. I think guys and girls handle that stress and that mental health a little bit different. Cause like guys, it's just like, suck it up. Like you're good. You're good. How did, like, did you notice, like, how did girls handle that mental health? Like when things got hard in softball, like how did girls handle that? I mean, most of the time, as sad as it is, it was, it ended in like a, a breakdown or like crying to your friends or your teammates or your coach, um, or having to go see our, you know, athletic counselor that we had, um, because girls, we don't just suck it up and like we handle feelings and emotions a lot differently. And I feel feel like a lot deeper than guys do. And so, and I feel like some coaches don't realize that and they'll just say something and they don't realize that it will literally affect like, it could affect them the rest of the week, the rest of the month. Like they don't just, right. They don't just get over it. And there's things that have been said to me that I still think about all the time. And it's just, it's something that girls definitely have to talk it through and get it out. And I feel like that's the only way that we can cope without bottling things up. So if you could go back right now and talk to a younger you during that time or a similar like college female athlete that's Mm -hmm. going through kind of what you went through, what Mm -hmm. advice would you give them? I would probably tell them or her that one softball is not everything. Sports are not everything. Your identity should not be found in that sport at all. And if you feel like it is, I would encourage you to find help, talk to someone, um, reevaluate what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, And that if the sport that you're playing isn't, filling your cup the way that it used to. And if it's not bringing out the best in you, that it's just, it's really not worth it. And I'm not saying like, oh, well, practice sucked today. Like, I think I should just quit. I'm not saying that. It's going to be hard. It's a collegiate sport. But there's a difference between having a rough day at practice and being mentally drained from the sport that you're playing and the people that you're around. And there's just, there's nothing in the world that's worth your mental health. And there's so much more that life has to offer. And I, if you're not happy with what you're doing, it's just, you should just chase after something else because one life is too short and there's so much more out there for people to see. So after really stepping away from the game and like you said, I mean, you're still, you're still a go-getter. Like I love, I know you moved to Tampa, you're in Florida now and we really didn't see each other that much in Mm -mm. college, but like just following you on social media, like it's, you're, you work out like three times a week, like yeah. three times a day. And it's fun to watch you. What's kind of like your passion now? What are you most excited to do about this new journey that you're embarked on? Yeah. So um, I ideally, this is like a dream, if you will, but I would love to get into CrossFit and potentially compete in that one day um, if I'm good enough at it. And I also career wise I choose fitness, um, even though it's not my degree. Um, but I think, I just think that it's, I'll kick myself later on in life if I don't pursue something in it. And I also feel like this is how I can make an impact on others. 
And I didn't think that three, two years ago, but as I've gotten older and I've seen that like on social media, you know, or like even in person, people really do look at, look to me for things fitness, even if I'm not, that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, And so I feel like this is how I can make an impact on people the most. And so that is what I'm most excited about. And it's funny, we were just talking about that. Both of those things. First, like the the, deg- the degree we get in college, like all of us that like, we're just talking are probably not like nope. pursuing that path. Um, and then the other one is social media. We were just talking about that and kind of how like we feel like we know somebody, mm-hmm. but we've never met them. Right. But like we just consume all their content mm-hmm. and we know what's going on in their life and we feel like we know them. Right. What's something about, and you're big on social media. And like you said, the like when I think of you, I think of fitness now too. What's something that people don't know about you that you wish they did know about you that follow you on social media? Oh, interesting. Probably maybe that I'm like not as serious as like maybe I come off or like I'm not as like a hard ass. Yeah. As, as I might come <laughs> on. I don't know if I'm podcast on this. Yeah. Um, but I'm really not like my friends have told me a thousand times before they met me like they were they're the word they use is intimidating. Um, but I think I'm just not like once you actually walk up to me and get to know me, I'm like so far from intimidating. I mean, I'm probably can be, but like, that's, I'm a pretty go with the flow, like silly, goofy, not taking things too seriously. So people probably don't know that about me, I would say. Yeah, that's good. And then, I mean, just like, cause we haven't seen each other in four years and we, I come out there and me, you and Reagan talk for like two hours out there <laughs> just catching up and just talking about old times and that that's so fun but thank you for sitting down and and getting vulnerable like this i know how hard it is to sit down and and talk about something you know yeah finally get your story because like when i heard that you quit like i was and this like our sophomore year i was like oh my god like because like you talked about like when i thought of you i thought of Mm -hmm. softball and i'm finally glad to get that story and understand like really like why you did it and stuff Mm -hmm. and your advice to to like your younger self is like don't like your identity, you're much more than just your support. Cause I exactly. struggled with that when mm-hmm. I left. And my biggest thing was like the team aspect. Right. It was like, I love the locker room. I love the team. And that was when that was kind of like taken away from me. Like I had a void in me that I, I'm mm-hmm. trying to fix. And like you said, just like get involved with things like your fitness and your gym and the mission that you're on. Um, that's kind of helped me the most too. Um, so I, I really appreciate you sitting down with me and kind of getting vulnerable and telling your story. I really believe it's going to help a lot of people. Um, cause a lot of people can like struggle with this. Yeah. Like, most athletes, I mean, it, yeah. everything ends the season, yes. your career. Exactly. It ends at some point. It does. And then you just got to figure it out from there. Exactly. Like we said, like, we're we all, all are. We're all just trying to figure it out. it out. I love that. But, uh, thank you for listening. And my only ask to the audience is, is just to share this episode. Cause it might make all the difference in the world. If somebody's kind of going through the similar struggles right now and they can hear her story and kind of see how she handled it, like it can make all the difference. So with that, thank you. And I'll see y'all next week. Thank you. <laughs>